Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. Welcome to UUCSW Reflections. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Reverend Laurel Gray. This is the monthly episode of this podcast where we reflect on recent sermon themes and answer questions from the congregation. If you'd like to submit a question, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org. Be sure to say which sermon your question is about, if applicable. And don't worry, we won't share the names or identifying information about question askers on this podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing the sermons A Beautiful Life and the Memorial Day sermon No One Left Behind, all of which can be found in this podcast feed. Hi, Laurel. Hello. How are you doing? Happy springtime. Happy spring slash summer. You know, it's it's been an eventful week in the country. Yeah. Or a couple weeks. Couple, yeah. <laughs> like month. Yeah. So... I'm glad the flowers are blooming and, you know, nice to talk to you as always. It's nice to talk to you too. There um, <laughs> absolutely has been a lot going on. Um, yeah. If people are listening to this out of time or far into the future. Um, oh, yeah. Good idea. Yeah. The Roe v. Wade decision was leaked. Um, the Supreme yep. Court overturning Roe v. Wade. Um, and there have been there some was a shooting mass shootings. in Buffalo. Yeah. Yep. Buffalo and at a Taiwanese church in California and then at, um, in Uvalde, Texas, Texas at the elementary school. So it's been a, yeah, it's been a rough month for the country. Yeah. It's so, it's good to have meaning making, uh, Yes. Structure, infrastructure, let's say. Yes. Um, yeah. During this time. Because I'll definitely say for the Roe v. Wade stuff, I appreciated you releasing that um, sort of note um, that's also in the feed. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, because. And that's been my kind of. Yeah. Stra- oh, you keep going. No, just, just because, like, it's pretty um, easy to go right to, like, fatalistic (laughs) yes Um, yes yeah and that's sort of like headliney and um being earnest is like and hopeful is not cool because it doesn't like it's just like a raw like you're yeah, peeling off hard. all of your protective layers and exposing. Yes, right. Like, we talked about how yeah, exactly. The raw cynicism is, is good you. protection. <laughs> yeah, right. And to say like this is horrifying, and I'm still going to find the space in me to believe that this is not the end, and more is possible, and there are still good people doing good work, and to not succumb to that kind of like rhetoric of cynicism, that's a hard thing. Well, I think part of the framing that was helpful for me, um, Mm -hmm. and this is true in a much wider way, instead of focusing so much on fighting the bad 
right? Like fighting the oppressive systems. It's focusing on like positive, not in a sense of like good, but in a sense of like what we can build, what we can add, what we can imagine. Yeah, it's world building. What we do believe instead of not just what we don't believe. Yeah. And that can be really hard for you use. But it's important. And it's also... It's really important. Yeah. I mean, I just want to... I mean, we're getting right into sort of the first sermon, which is the beautiful life that was about, like, a creative life, like, living a creative life. And I think, like, that really builds into creativity as, like, vulnerability and curiosity and... um, For sure. Arrogant belonging. You have to be awake. I think was and the present. Yeah, present. Yeah, the arrogance of belonging. Yeah. Yes. This like just having the like the bold faith that you belong. And I think and like that, no questions. Yes. Yeah. Like that's a hard thing when the world feels really tenuous and there are these, you know, there's so much contention in our country, and like mean contention yeah not just disagreement but like you're not human right yeah um but it's i mean i think a a slogan a huge slogan of the abolitionist movement to like get rid of prisons is like abolition is creative like that slogan is i love that like i have a t-shirt that says it. it's like you know it's like a thing i want that t-shirt um (laughs) Because, and, like, so I wasn't super directly and actively involved in, like, social justice organizing until I moved to Philly. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, an abolitionist group was one of the, like, was the first, like, political space that I entered here. Um, And, like, these, what was exciting about it is not, like, we're going to get rid of prisons. Like, yes, that's a given. The focus, like the real focus of the organizing is what are we going to build to make a world with prisons unimaginable, (laughs) right? That's so much better. Like that's the focus. And it was... Because that roots your power in a very, very different place. And it means you can start today. (laughs) Like you can start doing that today while all of that horrifying shit is happening. Like, you can build today. You don't have to wait until there aren't any more prisons. You know what I mean? Like Right, because that just gets you to do nothing. Yeah. And makes you complacent and makes you feel like you don't have any agency. Right. And I I mean, I have to say that the people in that space were some of the most imaginative, like, creative. Yeah. But also really, like, audacious people (laughs) brave brave people that i met um and if i mean that that's the only way to do this (laughs) that is not um that keeps your spirit alive and fed instead of beaten down and like of course there are days to scream and to shout and to say yeah. this is wrong with your whole right. being. Right. And like those days are really important too. Right. But if you're not rooting your day-to-day work in the creativity of what's possible. Right. Then 
it's too demoralizing yeah to you do. can't sustain that <laughs> no it's yeah it's, right it's right because your power also is reactionary yes yes it's yes, coming yes. from something other than like your connection to the sense of possibility or creative creativity or you know your love for the world yeah um and that's a thing that doesn't like right this is sort of what we talked about at easter like that thing can't be dampened yeah um but cynicism will run you dry because it'll disconnect you and numb you and like put up armor and you know it's rigid and all of those things right that's sort of like machiavellian like that's what the powers that be want to have happen right Mm -hmm. forget your agility forget your like capacity to connect with other people and scheme right because scheming people are dangerous scheming people who like believe that they can accomplish change yeah that's you know not something to be messed with (laughs) no (laughs) yeah because that's a powerful thing and it empowers other people if you're divided you're defeated yeah but it's hard and i also yeah it's hard i mean i think a thing to remember too about thinking about resistance and world building and social justice movement as creativity Mm -hmm. is a good Mm-hmm. way to f- it sounds so much more fun yes <laughs> and it is it is fun <laughs> right? I do think it's fun yeah but it's also like I know that creative types do tend to like say like oh I have like I'm creatively blocked and some people take that as yeah. a way like I just need to push through I need to push harder but I think it's no it's more common knowledge that like if you step away from it for a bit and recharge yeah. and think about other things and embrace joy yeah. and silliness. Right, right, right. You know, that part gets filled back up. Right. Um, and so. Right, because you need yeah. that. You need that in order to maintain the creativity, in order to maintain the, the world building and the change making. And so it's a reminder that like resting and playing is not like. A luxury. It's not a luxury. <laughs> silly. It's not a luxury yeah. and it's not. It's necessary. It's not the same as right. avoidance. And even like escapism, like if, right, like if you need to go, I don't know, like read a book that brings you into another world, like that can also be a way of resting, but it's not a way of like fully escaping. It's a way of, so there, there are degrees of that, right? Mm-hmm. Because Yeah. There's certainly, like, living not in reality and creating this whole other sphere is totally a thing that's happening in mm-hmm. our country with, like, just really wild. I guess what I mean <laughs> really is... Really wild things. Yeah. I guess what I mean is, like, rest is not, like, denial of the weight of what's yes. happening. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm just in favor of, like, you know, go read a fantasy novel mm-hmm. if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> or, like... If you need to go binge on some Netflix, like, great. Do do a little dose of escapism to give you a break. Yeah. But, like, in service to living fully and courageously, not as, like, a peace out, I'm done here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. <sighs> but I'm, I mean, I'm a little overwhelmed. Yeah. I guess I could yeah. say. <laughs> Which, which is good to be able to say, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, that's allowed. Yeah. 
So. I did um, read The Hunger Games, which is like my oh really comfort series. I've read it nice so many times now. I just like I just like read the series when I need like a real like brain rest. Yeah. I've been doing this thing in the last couple of weeks with like the stressfulness of everything where I listen to an audiobook and then I listen to it two more times. Yes. <laughs> Which is the same like it's it's like interesting engaging the first time and then it's like familiar in this way that's really soothing. Yeah. <laughs> I do this. So, I, I do the exact same thing. I really because I've been like, this is weird, Laurel, but like, no. whatever. No, <laughs> do not what you need to do not with audiobooks, but podcasts. I listen to the oh. same podcasts. I mean, over and over and yeah. over and over and over. Not in a Wait, row. That's fascinating. Not in a row. This is like a good tip. <laughs> yeah. I mean, consuming familiar media to me, I've like I do it with shows, yeah. I do it with podcasts, I do totally. it with the Harry Potter and Hunger Games series alternatingly. Yeah. Like Yeah. Next time I yeah. want to I mean read, it's like yes. like eating, you know, childhood food. Mm-hmm. It's just soothing in a way. Yeah. This is good. Like tips about how to self soothe. Yeah. <laughs> From Amanda and Laurel. <laughs> I mean, mine is read the same books over and over and listen to the same podcast Me too. over and over. Pet a dog, you know. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think if everything feels scary and unfamiliar, it's nice to have some things that are familiar. Yeah. That yeah. you already and know like what's gonna the, happen. <laughs> Right. No, that's that's actually like a really good tip for managing anxiety, mm-hmm. too. Like if you're finding yourself in a really anxious state, maybe don't do something new because that can just feel like more unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing something that's really like, I know the outcome here. These are all familiar characters to me or yeah. this is a familiar place. Um, those can be really good things when it feels like the world is a little too wild. Agreed. So, which is also why, like, so last week, um, someone was sort of like, what are you going to do on Sunday? Like, how do you deal with things like this? And I was like, well, my, my strategy, which maybe you've noticed if you've been listening to this podcast feed, is when something significant happens, what I'll often do, if it's not super related to the service, or if I'm not the one leading the service that Sunday, um, Like, I remember after the January 6th insurrection, a congregant was leading the service and she was just like, am I supposed to talk about this? Like, I don't know how to deal with this. Um, And so what I do is I'll address it at the beginning of the service before we really get started, sort of between the announcements and like the service really like getting into swing. Um, Because I think that like disrupting the whole order or doing something different than that day than what we had planned when people are already so amped up um, and everything, especially in the last two and a half years where like everything was changing constantly and who knows which way is up. I think that like having a really standard pattern for the way that services go and like knowing that we said this service was going to be about laughter. And so it is going to be about laughter And you know that if something happened, I'm going to talk about it so that we can sort of put that to rest and so we can have this hour together. I think that's actually really important Mm -hmm. um, for like 
like we're talking about this sort of sense of comfort and familiarity, like people need a break and church is not the news. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we do a real disservice to people um, either if we ignore reality, right? Because there's sort of this like naive, toxic positivity thing that is also really bad. But then also like similarly at the under- other end of the spectrum, if you're always being super reactive and constantly changing your plan, mm. um, it's like it's the same thing we talked about with activism where like your your sort of power is reactionary. It's not rooted in a value system that is positive and creative. Mm-hmm. Um, so I try to do that um, with Sunday services. So like we are telling the truth about what's happening and we're framing it within like our um, theology and understanding of the world. But we're also not going to constantly throw out what we said we were going to focus on. Cause like, as you said, like the, the um, week of the Supreme court stuff, that service was about laughter and a congregant was leading it. And it was like, you know, frankly, like I think having a service about laughter right now is a really good idea. Mm. Um, and so we're going to do that. And so I'm just going to acknowledge up front what's going on so that we can like have told the truth so that we can settle in um, and feel some nourishment. So mm. yeah, but there is, Normally, I don't have to do that twice in one month. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. So. Um, when you said that someone had asked you how you were going mm-hmm. to approach Sunday, um, mm-hmm. at first I thought you meant Memorial Day. Um, because That is what she meant. <laughs> oh, that is what she meant. Oh, well, no, not. Yes, I see what you're saying. No, she meant she meant like that Sunday based on all of the shootings. Yeah. I, but Memorial Day is also really complicated, and I, as its own holiday, yeah, right? Absolutely. I was wor- I was wondering <laughs> how you were going to tackle it. Also, to be honest, yeah. Um, well, and the thing that's not in the um, podcast feed because we don't record um, lay people's speaking, mm-hmm. um, and so the first part of the service was there. We have a congregant whose grandson died in military service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was reflecting. So if you hear me sort of reference like Jordan's story, that was the part at the beginning of the service um, where she was basically talking about how her grandson was like very lost before he joined the Marines. And it gave him the sense of purpose and belonging um, where he sort of blossomed into this person that like they hadn't known before. Um, and they didn't know because it happened while he was in Iraq and then he was killed there. And so they never knew this person who'd been transformed. But it makes for this very complicated grief that, like, she doesn't regret the fact that he made that choice to join the Marines because it gave his life so much meaning um, when he'd been so lost. And I think stories like that are important because it was also coming from someone who's, like, very much a war pacifist and... Um, you know, was holding the complexity of not wanting her grandson to go to war mm-hmm. and the reality that, um, like, it, it gave his life so much meaning and he cared so deeply for the other Marines in his, um, I don't know what the right technical term is, but in his sort of group, um, 
So it's complicated, right? Even in a UU congregation where there aren't that many people who have direct um, military experience, um, which we know, right, is like a socioeconomic thing. Um, and in a, a demographic that tends to be wealthier and better educated, we know that those are the people who don't really get targeted to, to join the armed forces. Um, so, yeah, it's a really complicated holiday mm-hmm. um, because we also don't want to glorify war, but then we also don't want to be like flippant, right? Um, and I think part of it, yeah, I mean, I am reminded of other theological systems a little bit Mm -hmm. um, when I think about how to approach just in general, like Mm -hmm. how to approach the fact that people make meaning in Mm -hmm. so many different ways. um, Many of which are, you know, culturally, socially determined. Um, Right. And, you know, a lot of UUism is about, like, not being, pardon my French, an asshole about it when someone makes meaning in a different <laughs> way than you, you know, like, right. not, yes, exactly. not being, not immediately being, like, judgmental and being like, well, right. you're dumb because you make meaning in a different way or, like, the way you make right. meaning is not right. valid the way mine is. Yes, right. And we succeed at that in some ways better than others. Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> true. But I mm-hmm. think that, I mean, where I have trouble with it, right? So, like, for mm-hmm. example, I am a queer person. Mm-hmm. And Christian theology is, like, in some interpretations and settings, right. super hostile to oh, yeah. queerness. So, like, yep. what happens when the way someone else makes meaning is operationalized in a way that brings harm to the world you know what i mean like how do you interact with that person when they're talking about like this not just as i mean i think it's two different questions like how to approach it interpersonally among individuals who you're in community with and i mean i think that's part of the answer too like you approach it differently with like individuals that you're in community with right than like twitter than with the, oh the idea of it as a, a whole, right? Christianity as a whole versus like a person that I know who gets makes meaning out of right Christian because you can't theology. even like right because even to say like Christianity as a whole that's like way too broad mm. to mean anything in particular um, because you do have everything from like really wildly like hateful what I would say is not Christian anymore because of the whole like greatest commandment thing to like love your neighbor as yourself. And if you can't pull that off, I like you kind of haven't passed the Jesus test to me. Um, but there's everything from that co- calling itself Christian to like, you know, like super queer theology and, you know, like liberation theology of accompaniment and, you know, how, how like, God is in the places of suffering, right? So there's, like, a real big spectrum mm-hmm. there. 
Um, and this is sort of the like, if you're going to be a universalist, does that mean anything goes? Like question. Um, and like it's, it's a slippery slope, right? Because there's this like, well, if you don't, if you're not being really rigid, that means you have no boundaries at all, right? Um, like if you're not being a stalwart about how only your theology is right and you're accepting of the fact that other people have different experiences of theology, then like, then any anybody can do whatever they want anytime ever, um, which is not accurate. Um because for us the like as a tradition and historically the idea was like if you think about the early unitarians the idea was that you don't need a priest or the bible um to like experience wisdom and transcendence and meaning so it's more accessible to various people um and there's the universalist piece of like nobody is ultimately damned Universalism definitely puts itself at odds with other things, um, as does this like Unitarianism of meaning making on sort of a personal human scale. Um, because if you think about like, you know, religious traditions where everything the pastor says is scripture, right, even when it's at odds with scripture and it's very hateful towards some groups of people like no we say no to that because that's not that's not your personal meaning making that's like a power structure that's harmful to others um, but i feel that same way about the military <laughs> and yeah this is where it gets right there's nuance and it's complicated right yeah did you want to say more about what you were going to say about the military? Uh, I don't want <laughs> or no, to. Or is that too? Um, okay, great. I'm thinking a lot of things <laughs> about it. I mean, I, so, okay, like, it's not a secret. Yeah. I'm, like, you know, a bleeding heart lefty. Like, I don't yeah. even think there should be police and prisons. Yeah. Let alone, like, an entire military industrial complex that yeah. supports, like, imperialism. That's just... Mm-hmm how I view it and like when I look at like military rituals Mm -hmm. that like salute the flag and everything like that what I see there is toxic nationalism and imperialism and what other people see is meaning and duty and sacrifice and love of humanity or you know a selected slice of humanity that you think you're protecting and a way of life and freedom that you believe in right Right. like right and that like I think there's a lot of like both you know both things can be true I don't (laughs) how can those like those two things feel like they can't be true well, and you don't have to be able to experience both of them simultaneously, because this is also part of the sort of um, like you have to be on your own path for meaning, um, because for us, as you use like 
we take it as a given that other people can make meaning out of things in ways that we are not able to, that are not available to us. Like, like when people, so there are the six sources, which are sort of parallel to the seven principles, which are all these different wisdom traditions that we're basically acknowledging as all being valid sources of wisdom. Um, and like I've had, I've had people bring me this sort of like, but religion versus science sort of like paradigm before, right? Like how can, how can we both say that science is true and like Christianity is true? Um, and the way that I explain that is that what we're acknowledging is that there are a lot of ways of making meaning and there are a lot of worldviews and that there are um, like a lot of sources of wisdom and just like acknowledging that does not mean that you personally have to like have a relationship with, with each of those things or even be able to make sense of it, right? But it's to say there are a lot of ways that we acknowledge that people um, navigate the complexity of life and try to make meaning and try to figure out how to do good. Um, and it's okay if some of them like can't work for you. Because I like even listening to you, like I on Monday was asked to do the prayers for the Memorial Day Parade. And like knowing you, I guarantee that you would never like, you know, go up to a soldier and like curse them out at a Memorial Day Parade, right? Like you're not going to do that. Even if you're like, I don't, this is, this doesn't work for me, right? And I see the ways that this is problematic. Um, so I don't know if that's helpful. I mean, I understand it <laughs> intellectually. Yeah. And you're right. Like, I am not going to go up to... You're not going to treat someone like they're less than human because, like... And, and I think that's, that's where the universalism piece is... Um, like we we will not let someone else's way of making meaning or even their actions result in us treating like them like they have ceased to be human um and that's certainly something that you know other people are not doing right now there's a lot of dehumanizing going on yeah but they're also wrong. <laughs> like, to be human does not mean you yeah. can't be wrong. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. And I see, like, and I know this is not very you, you of me, but like, those, <laughs> like, one of the sources of wisdom is like the way your body feels and your emotions. Yep. Yep. And, People get very emotional about, yeah, like honor and sacrifice and like military aesthetic. Um, <laughs> but that emotion, yeah, is like in my cynical view, designed yeah. to overpower the human revulsion towards killing. 
right? And so, like, that to me is yeah, a manipulated they, yeah. and constructed sense of feelings of nationalism that yeah. are masking true and inherent bodily wisdom. And so if the yeah. person's experience that they relate to me, which I believe to be true is like, I feel and believe very passionately about this. The wisdom of my body is telling me that the right thing is to support our troops. Like the social norms are telling me that I, you know, put my hand over my chest at the flag and during taps, like all of these sources of wisdom are telling me this. And like the, the result of it is so destructive. Like I can't reconcile it. I just can't reconcile it. And I can't respect it. I just can't. Yeah. But not to the extent that you would treat the people engaging in it like they had ceased to be human. No. Right? Right. And this is where, like, doing Memorial Day services is really complicated. Um And yeah, I don't, I mean, I, yeah, I feel really like mixed about it, right? Because, um, yeah, I similarly like U.S. imperialism is real scary and real bad, um, And, like, I think about Ukraine right now, and I'm just like, uh, I don't, like, and this is admittedly, like, I don't know that much about, like, international politics and war and all these things. Um, But it is a hard thing to... like know how to honor the experience of people who have been so um overtaken by this system because i think like like we're sort of talking about this from the comfort of like not having done any military service Mm -hmm. um and i think like there's the reality that the people who have gotten swept into this thing um like, some of them are the most harmed by it. Um, and I think that's where things like Memorial Day and Veterans Day, to me, are sort of fall into this, like, curious in-between. Um, because, to me, it's more about acknowledging, like, the people who've been impacted by these big systems um which are often the people who've served in them mm-hmm. um but yeah it's like i i do not want to go around sort of naively i don't even want to say supporting the military cuz it's not even like 
And I think about colleagues who are military chaplains, and it is so complicated. Um, Because you want to care for the people who are being sort of wrapped up in these power structures. And for a lot of them, like, like what I talked about in my sermon is like, there were people who joined the army because it's the only way they can get an education. Um, which, right, is evidence to all kinds of other problems. Um, and I don't want to like scorn the choice that they felt they had to make. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's really complicated. I mean, absolutely the like financial and social coercion. Oh, yeah. Are something to be mourned. Um, and changed. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I have, I have a really hard time. I just have a really hard time with this one. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> it is one of the hardest services I have to do every year. Memorial Day and Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. Because it is so complicated. Um... And, like, we both have people in our congregations who are, like, stalwart anti-war people, and we have veterans in our congregations. Um, And we have family members of um, people in service who were killed in war. And it just, like... It's hard to know how to honor all of that without glorifying violence. Mm. Um, I'm actually always really thankful that we don't do summer services and I don't have to preach on the 4th of July. Oh, God. Because, <laughs> like, the rah-rah nationalism is just, like, I we do not worship countries. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is like a real downer of a podcast. Well, or at least like an honest, like, this shit's hard. And like, I don't, like, there aren't good answers. I remember taking an anthropology of human rights class in college um, and as always, when I try to remember things from like 15 years ago, I'm going to get the, the facts slightly wrong. Um, but I remember we were learning about, um, I think it was a Rwanda genocide between the Hutus and the Tutsis. And I want to say that it was like the Dutch had colonized and they, the sort of, like pitting people against each other had come from them. Um, and I remember just feeling like reading about it and feeling so conflicted because like in in one way, part of me was like, where's the UN? Where are all these other countries to help come and help stabilize the situation? And 
the instability was created by foreign intervention in the first place. So does foreign intervention help? Does it like, and, and like, I don't, you know, I don't, again, I'm not in any like way specialized or well-read about international politics, but I just remember this sort of feeling like bewildered and heartbroken that like, if the problem was caused by foreign intervention, like once you do that, how do you get out of it? Mm -hmm. And how do you like, what's the path forward in that? And that's, Um, I mean, that's, I also don't have any specialized knowledge in (laughs) like international relations, foreign affairs, but like yeah. history, like relatively recent human history is largely the story of like a lot of global north countries like absolutely pillaging yeah. the global south and then oh yeah like yeah. stripping away resources and then like no yeah. reparations have been right. paid at all. Right. Um right. So for me it's like I I would have to imagine that the only kind of quote unquote foreign intervention that would be appropriate at this point is like full scale, like holistic, resource backed, like yeah. victim led right. reparations processes. Right. Right. And right. on that scale, I have trouble um seeing that happen in our current political and economic international climate. Um, <laughs> I will say, but um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like there's no, I mean, once you have done that kind of ongoing fun yeah, foundational destabilizing and yeah. pillaging and, centuries right. of like right theft and there's not a band-aid for right that. like yeah they're just yeah there's not gonna be an easy solution right right and like the like i don't know i don't know if it's the optimistic side of i don't know like I also am very much in favor of like resource sharing and cooperation and like all of these like helping protect the most vulnerable. And there are all these things that like seem like they should be embedded in this idea of honor Um, that man, it just... Power can be so coercive um, in really complicated ways. Mm -hmm. But it's so what's what's hard for me to hold at the same time is acknowledging coercive forces at play without invalidating personal agency um and wisdom (laughs) right yeah like 
especially with something like someone making a choice to enter the military, right? Yeah. Like, to me, it's impossible to make that choice with free agency. But I also think it's impossible to make a choice to get a job with free agency. Yeah. <laughs> Any job. <laughs> right. right. We, can't, we can't operate in the land of purity because it doesn't exist. Right. As, I mean, specifically, I don't think it exists under capitalism because yeah. you're which, like, right, if which you're, is our, which yeah. is our reality. Like, if your ability to like survive and get your like fundamental needs met is conditional upon doing something, then you doing that thing can't be consensual. Yeah. Um, Right. It's a requirement. Right. And so I don't think you can consensually (laughs) and with full agency enter the armed forces. I don't think you can consensually and with full agency as someone who doesn't have like personal inherited wealth or whatever aside for that i don't think you can consensually get a paid job like i just don't think right i think the conditions for consent are violated because of the inherent power structures and dynamics so yeah that's just and are you saying in terms of military service are you talking about um the sort of socioeconomic dynamics of for a lot of people it's seen as the only way out of like poverty for example yeah but there's also, I mean, there's other kinds of needs that are coercive, yeah. like the need for belonging and the need for, you know, other psychological needs that humans have. Like if... Meaning? Yeah. Like if you're taught that... Purpose. Yeah. If you're taught that the way to fulfill your basic needs, both material and psychological, is in this particular route, then you going down that route to meet your needs is not consensual. I just like that. That's just how I feel about it. Like you can't freely, freely with agent, with full agency, make that choice. If you can't meet your needs any other way, if other ways to meet those needs are not freely available to you. And if like the way to meet those needs is coercively in one particular way that serves an existing power structure. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway. So you're not joining the army. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not joining the army. But again, like, I'm fully aware that the reason that I feel this way is, like, what brought me to these conclusions is rooted in, like, my upbringing, my socioeconomic yeah. positionality, my yeah. like the ideas to which I've been exposed and at what point in my life and like what right. what I feel like I have needed to access the like basic psychological needs of belonging and care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't think yeah. I'm somehow outside of like those needs or anything i just mm-hmm. you come to them differently because I, of the way right. that you've been raised yeah and and this is again where like your like if you grow up in a world that um where 
joining the military is a given, it, like, you might not be in a position to be able to really question that. Um, Yeah, man, this is all, like, this is where it gets really complicated. And, like, I wish that we had better ethics training as ministers, honestly, because, um, like, I think I had, like, one class, not even, like, a course, like, one day in a class mm. about, like, ethics and war, and it was taught in, in my Christian ethics class, which I was like, okay, also, I'm not Christian, so this is, like, a little far afield. Also, the professor was... uh. I did not admire. I see. We shall say that. And it was really complicated because there was sort of this, like, old boys club feeling among some of my classmates where, like, you can't, you can't question the, right, the honorableness mm-hmm. of the military. Um Yeah, it did not, it didn't really leave me with any clarity because then there's always like, right, the sort of like the Holocaust question and like, well, should we not have, you know, I, yeah, should we not have gone to war to try to stop like Nazi Germany? It's just like, all of this feels like it's outside of my, Mm -hmm. I don't know, outside of my world mm-hmm. enough that it's like, it is very hard to make sense of these things. And I think they're also like, part of the reality of being human is that there are not always good answers. Um, and like the world presents us with horrific choices sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I think being able to honor that and not get lost in this sort of, like, I'm going to dehumanize you. And I'm not saying that you're doing this, but this is definitely a thing that happens. That, like, you know, you are not human or I cannot engage with you and I can't hear your experience because it's at odds with, right, my sense of the world. Um Yeah, like, there aren't good answers. Life is so much harder than that. I know. Um, (laughs) I know. It's like, this might be what, I mean, maybe except for, like, the podcast about heaven and bodies, like, flying to the sky. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This might be our most, like, guys, this is not our specialty, and (laughs) neither of us have particularly good answers for any of these things. No. But, like, we can model being human and, like, trying to figure out how to make sense of it and talking about our like acknowledging our worldviews and social locations and like the challenges that we see and the things that we have a really hard time coming to grips with um but it's not good enough 
We have to be. <laughs> we have to know everything. Because you want to have answers. And answer oh everything and be perfect, Laurel. <laughs> have you forgotten? Have you fallen victim to perfectionism? Us? Never. We would never do Neither that. Neither of us. <laughs> we're perfect at avoiding perfectionism. I know. We're, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Okay, well, I'm pretty sure we're not going to solve. <laughs> um. No. <laughs> Fundamental human disagreement and conflict. Um, oh, today. yeah, because I also like, I wish people just were peaceful, but like people don't always do that. And so that's a reality. Because, because honestly, too, like I've been on the receiving end of this where people are like, but the Crusades and religion is evil. Like I get that thrown at me occasionally, less now. Um, and and it's like I'm, you know, because I, as a clergy person, operate inside a system that some people see as being like totally corrupted and completely nonsensical. Um, yeah. And then they throw the crusades at me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't there. Also, I'm trying to actively improve this, right, like, power structure so that it actually serves people. And, like, yes, you need people outside the system. And I think you also need people inside the system to, like, cooperate um, for change. But, yeah. It's a lot to unpack. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I didn't participate in the Crusades, guys. Are you sure? Where were you? I know. (laughs) I promise. Floating in the ether. Part of that, guys. (laughs) But it. I mean. I mean, just shouting the crusades at someone is not a good faith engagement in the argument. But (laughs) like, no, there is a good faith way to engage in the structural harms. That religion totally. have contributed for sure. to. <laughs> That's for not sure. necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm totally here for that. <laughs> yeah. It just is like really like, yeah, it's just. Yeah. Yep. Nuance is important, maybe, is our point. <laughs> it is. So this is the thing. Like, nuance is, of course, important. Nuance is important. <laughs> We have to have a line beyond which mm-hmm. we don't allow for wishy-washiness. Like, yeah. and I know that nuance and wishy-washiness are not the same, but yeah. looking at something complicated and acknowledging it's complicated. Yeah. Like. That's not a cop out. No, but like. It can be used that yeah. way. Yeah. No, to me, that's saying like. I'm going to be present to the fullness of this and acknowledge there are things I don't know versus like it's complicated, which really means like peace out. Bye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm done here. Um, Right. Which is again, this sort of the question that we started with about like how being you, you and acknowledging that there are many ways of making meaning does not mean anything goes. Yeah. Um, and that is like 
it's a hard thing to grapple with. Um, because there aren't always clear answers. I also find myself wanting to, you know, obviously we have both come up against some limits to our like knowledge base (laughs) in this realm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, And so part of me is like, okay, do I learn more? But then it's like, how much do I need yeah, to learn so, before I can draw my, like, the, like personal theological line in the sand? Like, yeah. And this is where I think that um, not feeling like, we're responsible for the whole world can be really important. Because, <laughs> um, like, I do. let's be honest about the fact that you and I are not going to solve U.S. imperialism. Right? But I am. I'm not, we're not going to solve. <laughs> You're going to. No. I'm not going to solve U.S. imperialism. I am going to interact with a lot of people. Yes. On a one to one personal, like, yes, interpersonal basis, who make meaning in a way that is like directly in violation of my most fundamental beliefs. That is going to happen, right? Right. So, so that's what I'm grappling with. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, And I think that you don't have to go into those interactions with an answer, right? Um, You can go into those interactions with a very deeply rooted um, awareness of the dissonance between your experiences and, right, your concern about um, this power structure. Um. Yeah, And I think just being able to do that in a world that is so invested in conquering, right? To be able to show up and say, like, I don't, your way of doing this doesn't fit into my value system and I don't know how to make sense of that. And sort of engaging in... um, I mean, this is really hard because right now things are so polarized um but we know that trying to engage with people about facts and just saying like no you're wrong right like the election wasn't stolen it doesn't work um because people are being like overtaken by this sort of emotionalism um and i think Part of the beauty of being UU is being um, comfortable with dissonance or at least like not trying to conquer it, right? Mm -hmm. Not trying to get rid of any sort of dissonance and experience, but being able to say like our worldviews are at odds and I'm still going to treat you like you're human because that's what my deepest values compel me to do. Mm Um, I think that that is a thing that can make a difference. 
um, on this human to human scale instead of this like I'm right and you're wrong and you're evil because you do a thing that I disagree with right mm-hmm. um, because we acknowledge that even the people serving in the military right like that often can come from a place of truly wanting to do good right and it's caught up in a power structure like like this is this is why moral injury is a thing um which is basically a kind of trauma where you're forced to violate your own moral code and it is very common in veterans which like simply the fact of that being true suggests that the people caught up in this system like are forced to violate their their sense of values that they probably like that like this desire to do good Mm. that probably compelled them to join the military in the first place if it was not something that was right like this is my best option Mm. um but like we don't have to solve u.s imperialism to be able to ask honest questions and talk openly without being combative or shaming about like you know but I don't support war and I don't support imperialism and I have a lot of concerns about the way that the U.S. has historically destabilized other countries like these are all things that are concerning to me Um, but still if I encounter someone who has been caught up in those systems I'm not going to treat them like they're unhuman Mm. um I don't know. There, like it's there aren't easy answers. I'm curious what you're thinking now. I think. I think we're getting closer to it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I do. I feel like we are a little bit less in the like. I don't know. <laughs> Ether, maybe because we're getting I, closer to our roots. I think you're right that, like, I sort of came to this with an ill-defined problem. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like, it's a thing in, like, math and physics. Like, having a well-defined problem is, like, a specific thing. Um, And in a lot of time, like, figuring out the actual thing that you're trying to solve, like, formulating the right question i guess is like oh this is also a thing with humans yeah the hardest part and interpersonal reactions <laughs> oh for sure we just don't have numbers around it yeah like is it <laughs> is it a well-formed like what's really question? going on here yeah yeah and i yeah. think like i got you <laughs> i didn't come into this with a with a well-formed question um oh interesting like it was just a like well i'm at I've, I'm mad about the military and some people aren't mad about yeah. the military. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Whereas like, I think what we have done a little bit is like break that really big general and very emotionally yeah. charged wander, like wondering sure. into separate questions. Some of which yeah. do belong to us to, live the answers to which is like how do i have a conversation with someone who disagrees with me and some of which like don't belong to us right right. even 
Yeah. As opposed to like, yeah, like the answers to how do we solve U.S. imperialism. They, to live that answer, like to its fruition in our lifetime is not for us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. To- but, but even still, this is the like to be able to because it's it's again, like, what is the core of the problem here? And to me, like imperialism is about takeover and destabilizing like what already exists in a place. And so to be able to show up to a conversation and not try to take it over mm. and not try to conquer it and not try to make the other person less than like that is a micro scale of not doing the big thing Mm. right um and like can you imagine if everybody had the skills to do that i don't know if i have the skills to do that (laughs) or even tried yeah right yeah even just tried that and yeah and and then right that's like the like justice creativity thing we were talking about to like to be able to imagine and to believe that like there are ways that we can engage now even if like you know we're not generals in the u.s army right like we don't have direct sway in certain kinds of things but we're still part of the world um and you never know who you're interacting with. Like, because we are so wildly interconnected that, like, you don't know who you're going to talk to, who's going to remember it, who, like, 10 years down the line is going to say something important to someone who you will never meet. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where we have to take it on good faith that, like, when we can enter conflicted and difficult um, interpersonal interactions and be gracious in them and be human and be honest. Um, that actually is transformative mm. in ways that we can't quantify. Um, yeah. That's what I choose to believe anyways, right? Because I don't want to, I don't want to world build a world in which the kindness we show each other doesn't have some ripple effect. Or one in which it's conditional on agreeing with us. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, I, like, disagreeing does not mean that, you know, I mean, I think you're, you're, you've ceased to be human. Well, I think. And that's hard. Yes. I think the two. Because it means, like, we have to know our own feelings enough to not get caught in them. Mm. Right. And get caught in our own place of you disagreeing with me means that like I have to be on the defensive. Mm. Right. And and my experience isn't valid. Um, it's back to that, like what whatever the phrase was, like the radical belonging um, um, to be to be able to show up to not audacious belonging. Arrogant, <laughs> the arrogance of belonging, arrogant belonging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we need that. We need that, especially in really difficult conversations um, so that we don't get reactive and we can be um, like humble and open and um, human. Mm. Well, on that note, I think the two humans on this call and the humans listening. I think we just... (laughs) 
should go out into the world and do something other than I know, talk I about. Think, I feel like today's <laughs> podcast is about us like talking about something we don't really know how to talk about and just being really human and trying to stick in it together. Um, <laughs> and I think we did it because I think that's I think that's an important thing, right? To be able to say like you don't know and I don't know, but like we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, and if anybody needs some like exciting news at the end of the podcast in my the my first sermon I talked about how I'd always wanted to sign up for a painting class and had not and I last week signed up for an eight-week painting class this summer (laughs) so for all of you who secretly emailed me about the things that you wish you did and you haven't done this is your permission oh that's awesome (laughs) to go do whatever the thing is the creative thing that gives your, you know, spirit some joy or that you've wanted to try, I'm doing it. So you can too. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to walk away with permission to, I don't know, what are, what have I wanted to do that I haven't done? I've been pretty lucky to get to do a lot of the things that I wanted to do in my life, I'm realizing. <laughs> some kind of creative venture. Yeah. I don't know. I've sort of been toying with writing a book. Oh. Maybe I'll do it. Because you are painting. I'll take an (laughs) eight-week book writing class. Yeah. No, I did that. It was called college. Nothing came of it. (laughs) Yeah, no, me too. I mean, we have degrees. Yeah. We're supposed to be smarter about certain things now. (laughs) Mm. Are you sure? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> we occasionally remember things that we learned in school and we talk about them. Yeah. I occasionally half remember and get them mostly wrong. But that's I know. okay. We know I what know. we like school taught us we learned what to Google. Learning. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It, like, yes. I, and not yeah. Not to use Wikipedia as a source, but it is a good source of information to go find real sources. Yeah, just like, oh, I knew, like, knowing that you knew something at one time, even if you don't still know it, is definitely a confidence mm-hmm. booster, to be honest. Because you're like, mm-hmm. well, I know that I'm able Learning to know is this. possible. I'm able to know this, mm-hmm. and I would be able to know it again if I were to refresh it. <laughs> once upon a time, I was good at calculus. <laughs> I I might be able to do calculus if I sat down right now and just like tried some of it anyway. Uh, I could take an integral yeah. right now. Just dare me. Great. <laughs> so you're going to do this somewhere? Just integrals <laughs> Math and derivatives. Camp? That actually sounds kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Okay, I'm going to go find a grown-up math camp for lapsed mathematicians. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> oh my god, yeah, find find ways to feel joyful, and you know, don't get don't get too stuck in the news. Um, and if you need a distraction, think about the kind of person that would take a grown up math class for lapsed mathematicians, and um, I will be one of them. That sounds like a great place to make friends. I agree. I would be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see you there. <laughs> Wherever we are, we'll see you there. Yes. Okay. Well, the next two Sundays are about, um, this coming Sunday is supposed to be about celebrating blessings. And then the last Sunday is flower communion. Um, and, you know, welcome and belonging. So 
Hopefully, if we want to do a June podcast, we'll have some more upbeat material. It seems like it was just <laughs> Flower Comedian. I know. It's very strange. Unbelievable. It's like we live in a time warp, but, you know, just carrying on. We're just going to carry forth. Okay. Done. <laughs> okay. Until next time. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org. All are welcome.